Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Clitorati. You know how we love to learn how to be modern day queens and know our worth to the point that our life completely transforms. Well, our guest today teaches a step-by-step guide to caring for your feminine body, teaching you how to harness the four Fs, fuel, fitness, feminine, and female psyche. She's widely recognized as an expert on brain optimization, body composition, and metabolism with a specific application to female psychology. Not to mention that she's a wife, a mother, and a best-selling author of her book, The Betty Body. Please welcome Dr. Stephanie Estima. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. You have you have such a fantastic voice too. We were just chatting before the episode and I was like, oh my God, she totally has. You have your own podcast. And I was like, your voice is so soothing. And I know that you also narrated the audiobook. I, bought, I got the audiobook to your book and your voice is so soothing. I was listening to it all this week. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So let's let's dive right in. So we're here to talk about your fantastic book, The Betty Body. So what inspired you to create this book? Uh, such a good question. So this book was born out of a few uh, few experiences. One was my own. So I I talk about this in the book that my own menstrual cycle for decades really felt like I was being punished for being a woman every month. Like it was like, here's your punishment every single month with your... And so I was, you know, medicating myself and the cramps and I was completely uh, disabled uh, for several days out of the month. And when you only menstruate one way, you think that that's just how it is. Um, and at the, you know, I wasn't really in, I didn't necessarily have a lot of girlfriends that I could talk about that too. So I always thought it was just my own journey. There's something wrong with me. Something's broken with me. And there was a couple of events that happened um, in my life that sort of came together at the same time. So I was, um, I've been in practice for uh, 16, uh, at the time it was 16 years and my clinic actually had a fire and it burnt (laughs) down to the ground. And so, yeah, so we had to like relocate, you know, everything. And we had this temporary location. I was building this other location. And at the same time, of course, when it rain it pour, rain, when it rains it pours. Um, I was going through a very uh, very difficult uh, divorce at the time with two mm-hmm. small children. So, Aww. as you can imagine, there was a lot of stress in this girl's life. So, I was not sleeping well. My menstrual cycle, as you might have you know guessed, was like a complete gong show. And so, as I was sort of working through those things. Um, the summer, I think it was maybe the summer after I said, I'm just going to take my kid. Like, we're just going to go to Italy. Like, I just want to go on vacation and we're going to get some Italian sun. We're going to have cappuccinos. We're going to lie on the beach. We're going to have a great time. So I took my family um, to Italy for a couple of weeks. And 
you know, as you do when you go on vacation, you, oh, at least this is what I do. I like to, I like to be a sloth. So I was just on the <laughs> beach, sleeping under the sun, having my, you know, coffee, go, you know, having my pizza and all the, you know, all the things, all the food that Italy has to offer. And towards the end of that vacation, um, I got my period. And normally that would be, that would be the thing that ruined everything. Like that would be, usually I'd be holed up in the hotel room, you know, the mask on, popping the Advil, you know, but it, that wasn't the case. So I had spent at that point three weeks, you know, kind of walking out in nature, walking in the morning to get my coffee, walking after the pizza, you know, just kind of moving my body a little bit more, reducing my stress. And I really, for the first time had a, a period that, I felt like, wow, this is what it's like to menstruate like a goddess. Like this is what it feels like to actually not feel like you're being punished. And so I came back to, um, you know, I was building this, building out this new clinic, and I said, okay, like if I can, even though I know things are better, like everything's better in Italy, right? The food, the coffee's better, the weather, all of that. But I wanted to see if there were things that I could take from some of the environmental and lifestyle changes that I had made in that short, you know, three week period of time, if I could take that and reinstate that with myself and then also play with my patients at the time as well. So at the time I had, I was running a chiropractic clinic, but within the clinic, we also had a nutrition program that we were running. It was very much ketogenic in nature. And I was already noticing that there were some differences in terms of the results that my men versus my women were getting. So I was like, okay, how can we play with you know some of these factors to help our female patients in particular get better results on this nutrition program? So that was really the birth of the book. It was my own personal experience about just having like harrowing periods and always feeling like the week before my period, like a crazy person, not understanding really what was going on and why it felt like I was being punished. And then when I had this sort of transient experience where it felt really easy, you know, it was really me kind of coming back to, um, I, I live in Toronto. So coming back to Toronto and saying, okay, there's a, this end of one, this like, you know, experiment with one person and me, how can I continue to replicate this and then begin to pull in some of my patients um, and see if we can make some better uh, changes for them as well. And so, you know, my female patients, you know, let me, they were my guinea pigs. I was able to kind of manipulate little variables and we started playing <laughs> with like how we can eat based on their menstrual cycles. I was also doing that as well. And that's really the basis for where the book comes from. So, wow, that is um, such an incredible story. I've been to Italy too, and I love Italy. So I'm on my period right now, and I'm telling you, I am definitely not menstruating like a goddess. (laughs) I was a psycho this week, and I like fought with my boyfriend. And like I'm like, I just feel angry, and I don't sleep well. So I am very interested, and I would like to know, how do we do that? How do we start to menstruate like a goddess? Like, what do we actually need to do? So this is um, a really complex question. Uh, and I'm going to try to give you a really fulsome answer here. So there's a couple of different couple of different ways. So the first is you actually have to track your cycle. That's the number one piece of advice. If there's nothing else that you take from today's conversation, just download a free 
you know, I use Clue. That's the one I, I typically use, but there's that's what like, I use. That's what I use too. I love it. It's so I easy. Use it. It's yeah. so easy. Yeah. So easy. And it gives you sort of like an, you know, an approximate fertile window. And if you're trying to conceive, you can also record your basal body temperature in there, your cervical mucus, which is, mm. you know, we could honestly do a complete separate masterclass on cervical mucus. It's like incredible okay. how much information we'll have your body We'll have you back on. for an episode on that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, tracking your cycle so that you actually have some data points in terms of how, first, what's the length of your cycle, right? So that you understand how you move through these different phases, these different you know hormonal uh, compositions every week. So having an understanding of how that feels like for you. Having an understanding, particularly in the luteal phase. So you just said something really interesting, Lindsay, where you're like, I was like crazy fighting with my boyfriend, everything was wrong. You know, that is usually a sign that, well, there's a couple of the couple of things that we could kind of go into there, but usually for a lot of a lot of women, right before we get our periods, everything is wrong, right? Like we can't, yes. we can't, like boyfriend can't do anything right. The, the job is driving you up the wall. You can't find the right nail polish color. All your clothes don't fit the way you want. Like everything is wrong. And what I would lo- and what I talk about this in the book, and I think it's worth mentioning here as we sort of dive into like menstruating like a goddess. That's actually a really important time that your body is trying to talk to you. So if you are annoyed with a boyfriend or you're annoyed with the career or you're annoyed with, you know, a family member or a friend or whatever it is, I think it's um we I call this in the book a negative. It's not just me who calls this. It's, it's a negativity bias, meaning that your body is trying to tell you all of the things that is worth you paying attention to that are not working currently in your life. So that in the next cycle, as you bleed, you know, a lot of times, you know, with men, you know, they'll think about a problem. For women, we need to bleed on a problem. We need to, like, we have, we need to menstruate. We need to cleanse. We need to say, okay, what's the solution here? So that negativity bias at three to four days before you start your bleed week is actually really important for you to pay attention to what's coming up. Like the boyfriend's bothering you. Maybe there's some, you know, relationship. There's some like energy that hasn't been cleared yet. There's something that needs to be said, a conversation that needs to happen. So those yeah. are, those are really important signs from your body. And and you know, as much as I geek out on brain health, like your body is infinitely more smart than the algorithms and the logistics of your brain, right? Like we have like hostile cross-examining lawyers in our brain at all times, right? Yes. But if we can... That is so cool. I've never heard it put that way. And that is, I feel empowered around my period now. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's providing me information. I've never heard anybody say that. That is like totally flipped the switch on how I think about my period now. So it's like right. jot it down yes. and then circle back to it once you're done bleeding. Once you've yeah. bled on it. Yeah. And once you've bled on it, like bleed, like sort of kind of <laughs> shed, right? Like that's what's happening. You're shedding, mm. you're letting go. And it, in many ways, there's mm. a little death that happens, right? Every, there's an organ that's dying. Mm. Every, there's like endometrial lining that doesn't have oxygen anymore and that's why it's shedding. So it's really a great mm. idea as you're grieving that loss, you know, you can say this like symbolically grieving the loss. You know, you can yeah. think about yeah. what it is that you want to put in its place. So if there mm. is, you know, if you have, you know, communication issues or an issue with a boyfriend or an issue with your friend or whatever, there's a conversation, some type of courageous conversation that needs to happen. And that's, you'll find next month, you won't be so annoyed at the boyfriend, right? Because that cycle mm. has been completed. Mm. I love that. Mm. It sounds like our 
symptoms of our menstrual cycle are a litmus test for where we're at in our life, in that cycle of our life. Absolutely. Yes. And you can tell a lot about the, you know, what, I mean, I'm always a big fan of testing and, you know, doing lab work, but in many, in many cases, you actually don't necessarily need that. You can really go by what your body is telling you vis-a-vis her symptoms, right? What she's bringing up for you. Mm -hmm. If you have tender breasts every month, if you have, you know, if your bowel movements are, you know, you're not having regular bowel movements in the last uh, two weeks of your cycle. If you're finding, you know, that your rings, you're having a hard time getting your rings on or you're holding water. If you're very moody and anxious, like these are all symptoms or sort of a cluster of symptoms that may suggest that there's some estrogen and progesterone imbalance in that second half of your cycle. And we go through in the book a lot of different protocols for like high estrogen, low estrogen, high testosterone, low testosterone. And there's like all these clusters of symptoms that sort of come together. And you can say, gosh, like if I'm, you know, if my breasts are tender, like that is in my world, that is an absolute no-no. Like women are not supposed to have tender breasts. That's, you know, and or fibrocystic breasts. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's, it's very common. And so this is where I get a little word nerdy, but like it's very common, but it's absolutely not normal. So we often in society, yeah, we often will normalize menstrual pain. We will norm, like it's like take a Midol, take a, you know, take an Advil, take an ibuprofen and whatever. But it when we first begin to bleed, because there is some contraction of the uterus, you're shedding the lining. It's okay. Yeah. It's like, it's okay to feel kind of crampy day one or day two. That's, that's normal. But other than that, there should like the symptoms that your body is, is throwing up. These are flares. These are like, Hey, hello. There's like something right. going on here. So we talk in the book about different, um, areas of focus like liver detoxification, gut health, um, reducing chronic mm-hmm. stress. And that comes in you know myriad of different forms that we talk about as well. And yeah. how those can actually ameliorate and help to relieve some of these symptoms that are happening in those last two weeks of the, of the cycle. Oh my God, that's amazing. I have a question for you, Dr. Yes, Stephanie. Please. So my periods, I don't have period symptoms, um, negative. I just have a really heavy flow. Like my vagina eats tampons for breakfast. (laughs) What might be causing like what I'm experiencing as an incredibly heavy, like who the fuck wears regular tampons? I just wear super. So I'm like, wow, this, what is, it's like, that sounds like it's a huge release. So I'm like, hmm, what does that represent energetically? Because I I hear you saying, yes, there's physiological things, but there's also kind of this energetic spiritual thing that's bigger than us where it symbolizes something. So what could a super heavy flow represent in terms of an imbalance? That's a good question. I would, when we're thinking about your flow, um, I define in the book what's what's considered heavy. So when you are, for example, changing a tampon more than you know two to three hours, or you go through over the course of three to four days, you've gone through like more than 10 tampons, this, this would be considered really heavy. When we think about what might be causing that, one of the big drivers here is again, that estrogen dominance. So estrogen, when we think about it, she does a lot of things that are great, but at the end of the day, she's an anabolic hormone and she's also a she. So it's also, it's also a fat, like I call her, I call it literally. her. But, literally. Uh, so estrogen is an anabolic, it's a growth hormone. It's a trophic hormone. So if you have unopposed estrogen in the second half of your cycle, so we were talking about proge- this progesterone estrogen dance that happens. So progesterone is... 
um, a hormone that helps us calm down. It actually is one of the hormones that stimulate our appetite, slows down our bowel movements. But at about the age of 35, we start to see a decline year over year of progesterone concentration such that when we're in our early 40s, you know, late 30s, early 40s, you can already be running estrogen dominant relative to progesterone. And when estrogen goes unchecked, this can overdevelop the endometrial lining. And this is why you might see heavy bleeding. Another clue that you might look for is a lot of clotting. So some clots are okay, but we want those clots in the in the bleed week. We want them to be about the size of a dime, no bigger than that. If they're like the size of a quarter, uh, or if you're Canadian, like a size of a loon, like a dollar, you know, the loony mm-hmm. or whatever, um, that's too big. So we want those clots to be quite small. So if there's a lot of there's a lot of volume that's happening on your flow, as well as a lot of clotting, usually that's that's a sign that there's too much estrogen that's going unopposed relative to progesterone. I got half of that, but the words, so, the half of that so went over th- my head. I think, I think what she's basically saying is you have high estrogen and should probably yes. check your horm- I hormone I got that levels. part. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. the part that yeah. I got, but I'm not under, this is so interesting. This like a po- unopposed estrogen. I ought to like look more yeah. into that. Um, well, I think we're getting into the, we're getting into the whole conversation of regulating our hormones, right? So Dr. Stephanie, can you talk more about how we can regulate our hormones and why that's so important? Sure. Yeah. So continuing with estrogen, you know, the golden rule of estrogen is we want to use it and then lose it. So we want to use estrogen to do what we need it to do, which is, you know, grow the endometrial lining, but we don't want, we don't want that to be, we don't want this excessive exposure to it. So one of the things that we can do is improving our liver function and improving our gut function. And Mm -hmm. those are important because your liver you know, she's like the mother, right? She's the mother organ. She There's so many things that she does. One of the things is taking estrogen and getting rid of it, like to like sort of neutralize it and then get it ready for elimination via the gut. So eating things like green, like the green leafy vegetables, in particular, the brassica family. So, you know, um, bok choy and um, um, broccoli and cauliflower and you know, kale, these are all really, really high in um, a couple of compounds. One is sulforaphane, there's a couple of other compounds. But, you know, the, what the takeaway here is that these green leafy vegetables are going to help the liver do her job. So it's going to help the liver take estrogen, neutralize it, and then throw it into the gut or, you know, you know, throw it into the appropriate organ for, um, for excretion. So whether that's in the bowel or the urine or sweat or whatever. So green leafy vegetables, really, really important all through the cycle, but in particular in that second half of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that we want to be thinking about, and I talk about, I don't hear enough people talking about this, but it's this idea of consuming resistant starches or prebiotic uh, fiber. And basically what that does, and I'll give you an example, like um, if you've ever seen a banana, you know, if you ever buy bananas in the grocery store, sometimes they're like, they come in a bunch and they're green, right? We don't really eat them when they're green. We put them on the counter and we wait until they're kind of yellow, maybe a couple brown spots on them. And if you leave them too long, they turn brown and you make banana bread with them, right? Or or at least I try to. Banana pancakes. pancakes. Yeah, you got it. Um, But what we want to be thinking about in terms of getting resistant starch is to eat 
the banana or you can get pulverized powder when it's green because that's mm. when it has the most amount of this thing called resistant starches. Mm. So resistant starches, wow. they kind of like the name kind of says they resist digestion. So they are not broken down. They're not, they don't count as your cart. They don't count for carb intake, but they help your gut. So they help heal the lining of the gut. Like if you have any digestive issues, like if you get gassiness, bloating, you don't have regular bowel movements, by, ha- by consuming these resistant starches, you're going to amplify, you're going to help your gut heal. And then you will be a much more efficient um, expeller, if you will, um, of estrogen. Because if the longer that estrogen kind of hangs around, and if you have any sort of you know, gut issues, it can actually be reactivated and reabsorbed back into the bloodstream. And that's when you get those heavy, you know, you're like supers for days, right? So that's when you get those super, those super heavy tampons because there's too much estrogen going on. Yeah. I've heard about, I think we've all heard about probiotics, but prebiotics is something that I recently discovered because I do have gut issues and like, there's like a supplement. I'd be curious. Inulin, I think is what it's called. Yeah. That's a, yes. Inulin is another prebiotic. Yeah. It's like a prebiotic supplement. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I've started taking that and that really did help my digest because I have really bad digestion. (laughs) I'm allergic to like everything. Um, So let's talk a little bit about sleep. Sure. So the impact of sleep on on you and what advice do you have for anyone? Like a quick, I know you go really deep into it, into your book, but just if you could give us a quick one-on-one, like for anyone who is having an issue sleeping, what are some simple things that they can do and why is sleep so important to this whole system that we're talking about? Yeah, sleep is the first thing. It's the first domino that has to happen. So I love to talk about nutrition. I love to talk about resistance training and supplements, but you cannot... like that is all for naught if you're not getting good sleep, right? So I have a lot of women that will often come to me for, you know, they want to change the way they look, they want to change their metabolism, body composition, all these things. Like the first, like the biggest fat loss, you know, trick I can give you is to sleep more. (laughs) So the more that you sleep, you reduce your levels of inflammation. You are a much more efficient burner of you know the the food that you're taking in from your diet. You're a much, you you are able to take that energy and be much more efficient at converting it into energy for the body. Um, your cravings are better. Your mood regulation is better. You know, sleep when we're not getting good sleep, it's toxic to the brain, and our period actually starts in the brain. Like our period, you know, and a, not a lot of people realize this, but our cycles start in the brain. So if you don't have proper sleep, and sleep is one of the, you know, lack of sleep is one of the most toxic things that you can do to the brain. By nature, you will not have a great menstrual cycle. So a couple of tips that I. Um, I love to counsel people on is no matter where you live, you know, no matter if it's, you know, you have all four seasons, you live in a really sunny place, wherever, wherever you live, you should always try to make the lighting in the inside of your home mimic that of the lighting outside your home. Mm -hmm. So if it's dark in the evening, like right now it's, you know, we're recording this in the evening. It's dark where I am. And this is a special exception that I have some lighting on so you guys can all see me. But normally we would have like all the lights off. We have those little night lights that kind of plug into the, you know, the floor wall or whatever so that we don't fall down, fall down the stairs. But, yeah. <laughs> t- you know, typically we will, and in the middle of winter, you know, we eat dinner by candlelight because in the middle of the winter for us, when we're eating dinner around five or six o'clock, it's already dark outside where we are. So mm. when you begin to mimic the lighting 
of what it looks like outside, you are now starting to sync up with more of a circadian, um, you know, mother nature's rhythm, right? Like our own 24 hour cycle. And that's going to actually help you get drowsy. So this is why, you know, this Netflix and chill, like when you're just sitting and watching Netflix, you know, you sit down at the end of the day and you're like, God, what a day, I got to relax. And then you plop down on the couch and you watch Netflix or you watch whatever for, or you're on your phone, you know, with that blue light for, you know, several hours. That is one of the most toxic things that you can do because now you're inhibiting hormones like melatonin um, and you're preventing hormones like adenosine to build up. So melatonin is like the hormone of darkness, right? It's like what it starts to um, be secreted as the light levels come down. So you already, you know, if you have the lights low in the home, you're going to be helping with that melatonin secretion that helps us initiate sleep. Um, And then if you are, and if you don't have that happening, you're also not allowing adenosine to build up. So this is another hormone in the body that's involved in um, making us feel groggy and making it's something that's uh, called sleep pressure. So the more adenosine you have, the more pressure you have to go to sleep. Mm. So lighting is really important. The other thing, which most people hate to hear, but I'm going to tell you anyway, is uh, is coffee consumption. Ah. So yeah. Yeah. So coffee is a really big one. This is like, you know, America, you know, America runs on Dunkin' and like, you know, we all love our hot brown water. We all love our coffee. Um, But what it does is it actually competes with that adenosine. It can actually sit in the adenosine receptor on the cell and it'll block adenosine, which is that hormone of grogginess that we were just talking about. So what that means is that you feel really alert, right? You don't feel groggy. You don't have any pressure to sleep when you have, when you're jacked up on coffee. And coffee actually takes a long time for, our bodies to metabolize. It takes an, you know, it takes about six hours for most of us to actually degrade or to get rid of half of the coffee. Right. So if you think about if you have a cup of coffee at like two o'clock, like let's say you have, you know, that two o'clock slump, right. That a lot of us deal with that sort of energetic slump at, you know, midday uh, and you, you have an espresso or, you know, you have a whatever venti extra, whatever from, you know, whatever place um, <laughs> that, that can still have a blast radius at two in the morning, right? So you have to really be careful mm-hmm. around the timing of your coffee. So the other, you know, best practice, if I can share um, with your clitorati is to stop <sighs> the coffee, cons- like no later than 12. Like that's the last time you have a cup of coffee. Um, Cause that'll help, Amazing. you know, as you're, yeah, as you're going through the day, your body is slowly getting rid of that. And then it's allowing for that sleep pressure. It's allowing for that adenosine um, to increase so that you actually feel like going to bed. Like so many mm. women are like, God, like I'm just lying in bed and I'm like staring at the ceiling. Like I don't feel like sleeping. It's like, yeah, because you had a cup of coffee at four, <laughs> you know, like you have yeah. to, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pull it back a little bit. So those would be like my top two things is like lighting um, and then also uh, coffee consumption. Those are when we're talking about sleep hygiene, probably the two biggest things that you can do. So you're basically saying after a stressful day of work, you should come home and masturbate by candlelight. <laughs> Absolutely. You should hydrate <laughs> and meditate candlelight. and masturbate. Like it should be I those three things. Yes. I'm going to try hydrate, that because meditate, I am definitely one of those people that like after a stressful day, I'm like, let me watch an episode of something. And right. I'm going to try that for a few weeks and just masturbate by candlelight and see what a difference You absolutely makes. should. And you know, I actually, in the book, I talk about this orgasm challenge and I tell people for seven days, every single day, climax. And take a picture of your face, you know, 
day one and then seven days, you know, at orgasm, however, however you like with whomever, with whatever toy. And then seven days later, take a picture of your face and tell me if it's not different. Most oh my God. Are, okay. Cl- Katie, we should sugar, do this. you guys, we're doing, we're going to do this. We're going to do this on Instagram. We're going to do the <laughs> seven day it. orgasm challenge and we're going to tag you in it. Yes. Beginning please. and end. Okay. It's done. So I'm so curious because I'm like, wow, I could see how like maybe the the vibrancy of your skin, like I could see that actually. Um, I'm I would love to just like try this, ladies, come and see each other's faces. Clitorati, we have one last opportunity for you to be a part of our 90-minute special live workshops, Confidence Under the Covers. They have been going incredibly well, and we have one more opportunity for you tomorrow at 10 a.m. That's September 8th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can go to clittalkshow.com backslash confidence to register and you come live and see to the end, you're going to be entered to win a brand new Bush Empress 2. So I have a reverse issue with sleep where I have a really hard time waking up in the morning. So going into sleep and falling asleep is not an issue I have. Every now and then in a really creative um, moment, like if we've been producing an event for Clit Talk, I might just not be able to fall asleep till four in the morning because I'm like, oh my God, the flyer needs to have this graphic on. I get really jazzed up. But that is very rare for me. Um, what's what's really common is I wake up, I, I, I will sleep through a 15 minute alarm. And I, my husband will sometimes just like, see how long it'll be till I hear my alarm. And he's like, sometimes you just completely sleep through it. Now, a little bit of context, I have suffered from a couple concussions, uh, the most recent being 2017, where I was literally bedridden for like a month. I had no brain bleeding. They were like, just rest. You know, concussions are like a tricky injury. Um, And the ladies know, like they'll tell me when it's time for me to go to my chiropractor for... Um, a little light laser treatment, they'll be like, you're forgetting dates or like, I'll get a little dyslexic and they'll point it out to me, Katie and Lindsay and say, hey, I think you should see your doctor. Um, so it's a great to have my community reflect to me and support me around the concussion. But um, I have suffered with brain fog. <clears throat> I've had people tell me that the sleep issues are because of um, the concussion but I'm really interested around the menstrual conversation. Do you know when you can, do you um, know where in your cycle mm-hmm. you were, like where you were in your cycle when you uh, suffered the concussion? Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, I don't, I do not remember. Yeah, but that's one of the, so I, I would see a lot of concussion patients when I still had my brick and mortar practice. And for women particularly, so I'll just mm-hmm. drop this little uh, gold bomb for you. And then we can talk a little bit about what you, your original question was. Women who are concussed in the follicular phase of their cycle, so the first two weeks, tended to have better outcomes versus women who were concussed in the luteal phase, so the last two weeks. And the reason for that mm-hmm. is if you were concussed in the first two weeks, you had the full exposure to progesterone coming. So progesterone is, we've talked a little bit about it on the pod, but it is very much activates um, something called GABA, which is a neurotransmitter that's like chill the F out. That's like the chill the F out neurotransmitter is Mm G-A-B-A. And progesterone activates this neurotransmitter. So if if you were concussed in those first two weeks, you had the whole time in the luteal phase to have that GABA to bring down that inflammation. Because one of the things we know, one of the problems with longstanding 
concussions is this potent and chronic overactivation of the inflammatory system, the microglia, and like these other these other cells um, in the brain that are constantly causing inflammation. So if you do track, it might be, if you've tracked since back then, it might be worthwhile to go back and see where you were. Um, but in, yeah. and, you know, we can maybe talk offline about some other strategies that might be helpful for you. But if you, assuming that you're not concussed and you're a woman that's like, yeah, I'm just like her. Like I also am very groggy in the morning. Um, one of the things that, you know, we talked about lowering the lights in the evening to match what it looks like outside. I would also try to get outside and expose yourself to that morning sunlight again to try. And, and that's a sort of a circadian rhythm hack, yeah. if you will, yeah, to totally. try and get that, you know, to try and get that light coming into the back of the retina so that the area in your brain that's like, oh, it's morning, time to like rev everything up, right? Will be, will be activated and you'll get that cort and you'll get that cortisol spike and all of those things that should be happening in the morning. Amazing. Yeah. So, That's a great Thank you. Tip. And I would That's love to talk tip. offline with you. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Stephanie. Um, so we've talked a lot about orgasms on this show. <laughs> and um, we I would have are... never guessed that from the <laughs> Right. <Yeah. laughs> um, we would love to hear from you. Do you have any tips? Because we get this question a lot from women. Do you have any tips for listeners who have never orgasmed before, both solo or with a partner? Because we've gotten both before. So is it because they are not able to? Like th- this is like an anorgasmia issue or this is a, like they've just, they they're don't just, know how. or They're, they're just, just not sure if they ever have. And we're like, trust me, you will know when you have. You'll know. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not something you'll miss. Um, yeah. So I would, you know, assuming that this is not a hormonal issue. So one of the things that we talk about in the book is when you're in late stage perimenopause, so kind of like late 40s, early 50s, you know, time zone, uh, your testosterone begins to drop. And so when T drops, we start to see women start complaining of things like painful sex, lubrication is really poor. Um, and testosterone, one of its roles is to maintain our muscles. So that's one of the hacks. Again, if you can use that, I really hate that word, but like one of the uh, strategies. Yeah. Um, that we want to do as women is to be resistance training so that we can build lean muscle so that we can naturally elevate our own testosterone levels, especially in that time of life. Because when your T levels, your testosterone levels drop low enough, you know, what, when you are orgasming, what's happening is there's this like rhythmic contraction, right? Of the vaginal wall, of the perineum, of the pelvic floor. And that's also facilitated by testosterone. So you can actually, if your T is low, too low, then you might lose the ability, this anorgasmia. So that's kind of one category of people. If can you're you test a, for that, like, can they go to the doctor to, to test for that, to yeah. get that answer? So if their yeah, testosterone- Yeah, I love the Dutch. Are you, yeah. You're saying if their testosterone is too low, they're not going to be able Correct. to orgasm? Interesting. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you can do the the test I like is the Dutch test. Um, it's done by Precision Analytical. Okay. Um, and it's basically like a dried urine test. Like it's a you know kind of flap of paper, you pee on it, you send it off to the lab and they can tell you all different um, you know, metabolites and hormones and where you should be for your age and if you're still cycling, where it should be like at the point in your cycle, et cetera. So really oh, great test. Cool. Wait, what's that place called? Mm, wow. Uh, it's Dutch. called the Dutch test. Yeah. D, so dried urine, uh, I forget what the T is, and complete hormones. <laughs> so uh, D-U-T-C-H and it's precision analytical. Precision analytical, okay. 
Um, so that's one thing that you can do if you just want to get a baseline of where your where your hormones are. If you're a woman, let's say, you know, early, mid 20s, 30s, you have a partner or you've never like the, the first thing that you need to do is you need to start uh, self-exploring. Um, that is, you can never um, expect to have a great sex life if you actually don't know what you like and how you like it. So get some coconut oil or some olive oil and or get a toy and um and and start exploring. I always, you know, in the book we talk about vibrators and like toys versus, you know, your own hands and like your own like masturbation and self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um I I like both, but I think that you can you it like vibrators are so easy, right? Like you can do yeah. it in between Zoom calls, like you can like you can kind of like they're yeah. so efficient, right? You can just kind Wait, of like oh pop out, yes. right? Yeah. But for, you know, for your own like to really understand what you like, you know, to use your own uh, fingers, right? Or to, you know, or even just like sensual, like sensuality, like exploring, like, do you like silk? Is there feathers? Is there belts? Is there, you know, whatever it is. So I I really encourage like to have toys that you love, like have a, you know, big goodie basket of that stuff, but also to really understand how you work and to try to learn how to bring yourself to climax with your own fingers. I think that you can Mm. never go wrong. And then you'll be a better partner, right? You can tell, you can have this conversation if you do have a partner, you know, and say, this is what I like. And this is how I like it. You know, a little to the left, a little higher, a little, you know, and you'll be able to, you'll be able to, um, I mean, Clitorati, you've heard us say this. Now you've heard it from a doctor. So you need to start listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and, and also, you know, we've talked about it, but we would love to hear from you we've talked a lot about the health benefits of orgasms and we'd love to hear from you like a couple, like what, like how, you know, what are the health benefits of orgasms in your, in your There's research? so many for women. <laughs> oh my God. This is one thing that I think more health, you know, if you have a healthy relationship with your, you know, primary healthcare provider, this should be something that you should be talking about with them. Um, when we think about, particularly for women, the benefits that an orgasm has on her vitality, on her life, like her longevity, like how long she's going to live. And then of those years, how healthy she's going to be, like her health span, like you cannot design, like deny how wonderful orgasms are. So let's go through a couple of things. So when we are, uh, when we are orgasming, um, and orgasming on the regular. So at, at, at a minimum, like the data, when we look at the data, you know, regular climaxing is defined as once a week. I don't think that's enough, but let's just assume that it's, one, you know, at least once a week. Okay. All right. Some of the things that you will see is all of your vital signs will improve. So if you were to go to, you know, a hospital for whatever reason, they're going to, they're going to look at your vitals. So they're going to look at your heart rate. They're going to look at your respiratory rate. They're going to look at your blood pressure. They're going to look at your oxygen saturation. All of these things improve when you are orgasming on the regular. So your heart rate will lower, your blood pressure will lower, your oxygen saturation, which is just to say how well your cells are perfused with oxygen is going to improve. Your respiratory rate, how often you have to take a breath is going to lower. We want lo- like these, these markers, like lower is better. And for my ladies who have premenstrual, like if you have a lot of cramping or a lot of pain, um, when you are 
uh, having an orgasm in that negativity bias time that we were talking about at the top of our conversation, like that three to four days or even a week before your bleed week starts, your pain tolerance goes up. So that means that you don't feel as you don't feel like a bag of shit, right? Like you feel mm. like you you don't feel the pain, you don't feel the cramping. And even around the time that you start menstruating, when you start the bleed, you know, having uh, an orgasm during that time is a really great way to ease some of those initial symptoms of uh, releasing the endometrial lining. So these are just like some mm. physiological benefits. The, some of the other things that are really important, of course, are the oxytocin, which is our like love binding hormone. It makes us feel like loopy and happy with the world, and we feel one with Mother Earth. Like that post orgasmic you know, glow that, or that feeling that we all have, you know, that is in part due to oxytocin and serotonin being released. So these are like our happy bonding trust hormones. Um, So those are also really important to keep those pathways alive because man, like it's been a hard year and a half, right? Like it's been like, there's been a lot of stress in the world. (laughs) People are worried. There's things are unstable and you know, rules are changing, like it seems by the week, sometimes by the day. And, you know, we have to hold on to our humanity. And part of the way that we do that is by coming, like part of the way that we do that is by climaxing because you're activating an area in the brain that allows you for, allows for executive thought. It allows for rational decision-making when we're always like, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. First, you don't feel like playing with yourself, but then you also lose the neural connection to these areas of the brain that make us human, that you know, that create language and thought and art and all of the things that um, you know. It, it connects it like orgasming connects us to our humanity. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. I love really that. Or- orgasming connects us to our humanity. Well put. So I know that we've we've also talked about this as well, but we are very interested to hear your take on you say there are different types of orgasms that we should all be having. What are those different types of orgasms? So we've talked a little bit about them. So it's like to vibrate or not to vibrate. That is the question. That was really what Shakespeare was talking about, right? So, you know, when, exactly. so, you know when, yep. when we think about an, an orgasm that comes from a toy, um, these are great. Like I was saying, super efficient, like really easy to like nip off in between meetings and stuff. But what happens is when that's the only way that you are climaxing, you tend to... There's four phases of of, a, of an orgasm, um, you tend to skip what's called the plateau phase. And this is where, you know, there's, you know, just to name the four, there's excitement, there's plateau, there's the orgasm itself, the main event, and then there's the resolution. So you're on the other mm-hmm. side of the, of the orgasm. But okay. that plateau piece, like right before you climax, that's where all the hormonal balancing, pain tolerance, improving stuff happens. It's in that tension, in that tension building phase. And often with a vibrator, you 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 know, you can you can reach orgasm relatively quickly. Um, so that's one way to orgasm. And I think that that's great. You know, we all we all need to have that. Um, but what I also like to encourage is, you know, whether it's a partner, whether it's, you know, he's going down on you or you are using your, you know, some coconut oil and olive oil as we were talking about. Um and you're and you're bringing yourself to orgasm. That's when you get to spend more time and you get to play in that plateau phase, right? And there can be more sexual tension. Like he can, you know, he or she can back off and then come back on again. And 
or you can do that with yourself as well. So you're prolonging that plateau phase. And that's really where we get a lot of these um, improvements in these symptoms that we were talking about. So it's good to kind of, you know, have your feet in both worlds. That's amazing. It's so, it's so interesting because I, I feel like I have not been able to do that with self-pleasure, but when my partner goes down on me, I experience that. And I do, it's funny because it's like, I do feel the tingling health benefits of that type of orgasm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so, you know, the Betty, the Betty Body exercise program looks awesome, you know, and you have like a 28 day, like a challenge in your book, right? Um, yeah. To a better behind. Yeah, a better behind. <laughs> better booty. Yeah. Better um, booty. Yeah. So, which looks amazing. And like, I'm almost like, ladies, maybe we should do this together, the 28 day challenge. I know. <laughs> um, because it's like I'm after down. COVID. Yeah, oh I gosh, feel like I, do, I need a so full much. life reset. Like, I'm so inspired by what you're saying. I'm like, literally want to hop off here and tell my roommate, like, we need to go buy a bunch of candles. We're living in the evenings by candlelight now. I'm not going to watch TV anymore. I'm going to masturbate for seven days in a row. Like, like, and hydrate, I, masturbate, yeah. hydrate, masturbate. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, meditate. meditate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I try to meditate and masturbate once a day. That's, That's like my goal. That. That's, That's great. great. Um, needs to be a t-shirt. No. Uh, yeah. Hydrate, mm-hmm. masturbate and meditate. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, after this last year of COVID, like our bodies have definitely, our booties have definitely changed and our bodies and, and everything. Can you tell us a little bit about like, you know, why this 28 day challenge is so important and why everyone should do it? <laughs> I mean, I think we all need to be moving more. Like yeah. pre-pandemic, I would have said the same thing. I think it's even more pronounced now. You know, I, you know, I jokingly will say like, I talk to my computer all day long. Like that's what I yeah. do now. Like I'm on Zoom <laughs> all the time, right? So the yeah. Zoom fatigue yeah. is like a real, you know, thing. So I think we need to be moving. My current challenge is called the Betty Booty. And I talk a lot about, you know, this idea of glute amnesia. Like a lot of times when women are when we sit all day long, right? I'll say to women, like, where do you feel it when you squat? And they'll be like, in my legs. I'm like, you need to feel it in your butt. Like that's that's the primary driver. That's the primary mover. It's a hip extension exercise. And the glutes are the strongest uh, muscles in the legs and they should be, or in the hip leg, you know, uh, continuum. And you should be feeling it in your butt. And if you're not, that means that your glutes are probably asleep because they you've been sitting you know, you've been sitting on them. So, um, and glutes, mm. and not just glutes, really like your whole body, we need to be moving more. And I, um, you know, I have, I have children. One of my, um, one of my goals is to be the favorite grandmother. I'm like super competitive. I'm already training for that. So I want to be able to like get down on the floor and play with my grandkids and be able to do push-ups and run up, run after them. And in order to do that, I need to be able to be able to do a push-up on my toes, be able to squat, get wow. and I talk about ass to the grass squats, right? So not these like when you squat just down to 90 degrees, um, you know, we can talk about this maybe another time, but the mechanics and the stress that you actually put on your knees is worse than if you dip your butt lower than your knees and actually go ass to the grass all the way down. Um, But we lose that. Oh my gosh. I do squats twice a week with my group workout and I'm definitely going to try the ass to the ground. I feel like the leader's going to be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, 
Doctor Stephanie, <laughs> going to be like, to uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I think amazing. we need to be moving and developing muscle, and that's also going to help with some of the hormonal balancing. Your mood is going to help you feel better, right? Like when you feel strong, you feel empowered, you feel powerful, right? So that's you know we we put a twenty eight day program in there. It's like a bonus to the book. It, the, the program is in there, but if you want the videos and stuff, there's a little there's a link that I'll give you guys that you can um you can check out as well. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Dr. Stephanie, I feel so much more well-informed about how my hormones and my body, and I I feel so empowered around my period. I really actually see my, my period as this empowered friend that is providing information to us, which I think is fantastic. And you've provided us with so many tips on how to have our mind and our bodies connected so that we can have better sex lives and the importance of orgasms, which was, we all, we all knew yeah. that. Um, so, we we've obviously been talking about your book. Can you tell us where can people find, where's the best place people find your book? How can they find you? How can people connect to you? Sure. So the book is called The Betty Body, A Geeky Goddess's Guide to Intuitive Eating, Balanced Hormones, Transformative Sex. And you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you're in Canada, Chapters Indigo, Goodreads, like it's all over the, you can find it on, you know, most online retailers. Um, if you want, once you buy the book, uh, the link I was talking to you about, it's better, uh, sorry, bettybodybook.com. So B-E-T-T-Y-B-O-D-Y-B-O-O-K.com. Um, so that you can find uh, the, bo- like there's some bonuses there, videos and pro and like meal plans and all that kind of stuff. And um, I got a podcast called Better, uh, which is where the name Betty comes from. Actually, it's like our Bettys. You know, you have the Clitorati, we have the yep, Bettys. The Bettys. Um, <laughs> so our Bettys uh, is who the name, the book is named after. So Better with Dr. Stephanie. And then you can find me on the gram. I'm on Instagram, pretty pretty active on Instagram. So it's Dr. First name, last name, Dr. Stephanie Estima on Instagram. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. We we really appreciate your you're so thorough. I feel like I honestly learned so much from you. You've obviously done your research and um really reframed a couple of conversations that we've talked about a lot on the show in such a profound way. So we really, really appreciate you coming on and um this was amazing. And I hope, I hope everyone goes out and buys your book. I know I'm going to, I'm like halfway through it. I'm going to definitely finish reading it. I'm inspired to take on the 28 day challenge. And um, just thank you so much for being here. Tag me in your orgasm challenge. I want to see, I want to see the before and after. We're going to do that. Definitely doing that for sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. And uh, with that clitorati, you know what time it is. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.